What's up, guys? Welcome back to VoiceOver Work, an audiobook sampler. Where do you listen? Today is January 5th, 2023. Imagine being able to walk into a room and make friends with strangers, avoid conflict, and have a charismatic presence. It's not so tough. It just needs purposeful practice. In this book, Communication Skills Training, Patrick King will be your guide to helping you figure out how to deal with people, their emotions, and your own emotions. Thanks for joining us today for this chapter-by-chapter -chapter preview of Communication Skills Training by Patrick King. Chapter 1. The basics are not so basic. Communication is everything. No matter who you are or what you're trying to achieve in life, improving your communication skills is a must. It's a strange fact that human beings are expected to just know how to communicate, despite so many of us finding it challenging or unpleasant. The truth is, good communication takes time, effort, and know-how. It follows known principles and laws. Luckily, being a charismatic speaker, empathetic listener, and skillful negotiator and mediator is not something reserved for the select few. It's something that anyone can do, if only you understand these laws. There's certainly not enough space in just one book to cover all the multifaceted ways that communication can be fine-tuned and tweaked. But in the following chapters, we're going to explore some of the most popular concepts and principles so you feel empowered to start making positive changes right now. One idea that we'll return to frequently is the overall purpose of communication. We reach out to one another to connect, to meet our needs, to express ourselves, and to solve problems. Therefore, the best mindset to adopt on our mission to become better communicators is the one that will best allow us to do just that, connect. Identify your communication style. When learning how to communicate better, it's important to understand your exact starting point, i.e., how good is your communication ability currently? If you've picked up this book, chances are there are some aspects of the way you communicate that you've identified as needing improvement. But communication is not just one skill, but a complex of many. On top of that, there are different styles of communication. Even if you don't consider yourself a good communicator currently, you have a unique and characteristic type of communication, whether you're conscious of it or not. As we move through the chapters of this book, we'll be looking at concrete ways to consciously choose the best and most effective styles of communication, rather than default to unconscious patterns that may not really be working for us. When you can communicate well, your relationships take on an extra dimension of quality and intimacy. You find yourself in conflict far less often, and you give yourself the gift of being seen and understood so that other people have the best possible chance of meeting your needs. But without good communication, everything, 
relationships, work, conflict resolution, becomes much, much harder, if not impossible. Before we learn the best ways to communicate, let's ask ourselves, how do we communicate right now? Take a look at the following communication style profiles and see if you can recognize yourself in one or more of them. The Passive Communicator For this kind of communicator, it's all about what isn't said. Passive communication avoids expressing needs and wants, avoids conflict, and doesn't directly and obviously convey thoughts or feelings. Imagine two friends going out for a drink. The first asks the second where he'd like to go. The second says, Oh, I don't mind. You choose somewhere. The first does choose somewhere, and the second doesn't actually like it, but doesn't say so. Instead, he gets quietly annoyed. Chapter 2. Tools of the Charming Have Better Conversations with the Rule of Three The rules for good communication are pretty basic. Talk with people and not to them. Be present. Listen. Easy, huh? Yet somehow, almost all of us could stand to be better conversationalists. The irony is that nobody ever wakes up in the morning and says to themselves, Today, I'm going to be a complete bore to talk to. Nobody wants to be that person who constantly one-ups everyone else, interrupts, or talks too much. Here's a rule for good communication that you might not have considered. Having charm and charisma is not about you. It's about the other person. So many of us embark on a mission to be more interesting and likable in conversation. But just by having this attitude, we sabotage ourselves. Why? Because we have it backward. Being a great communicator is not about having other people listen to you, like you, or compliment you. It's about you making other people feel heard, liked, and praised. The irony is that when we try too hard to be witty and impressive, our focus narrows down to our own egos, and we instantly become the opposite of what we're hoping to be. The other person disappears, and we're engaging in what is, for all intents and purposes, a boring monologue. Lecturer, consultant, author, and coach Dr. Carl Albrecht explained in Psychology Today that every conversation is made up of three key elements. One, declaratives. Two, questions. Three, qualifiers. Declaratives are simply statements of fact. For example, the sky is blue. However, to make things more complicated, they aren't always exactly facts, but opinions that are presented as though they are facts. Light blue is too weak a color to wear to that job interview. Questions are self-explanatory, although this doesn't include rhetorical questions that take the grammatical form of a question but are not literally asking the other person to respond. For example, what is it with this weather today? Finally, qualifiers are something we've encountered already and include any words or phrases intended to soften or moderate what is being said. For example, in my opinion, 
I'm wondering if I could be wrong, but as far as I know, I'm not speaking for everyone here, but qualifiers are also great at helping you express uncertainty or make a claim, but not too strongly. So instead of saying that light blue is a weak color, you could say it might be a slightly weak color. Instead of saying Freud was a pervert, you say, in my opinion, it may be the case that Freud, in fact, had a distorted sexuality. Now, Albrecht suggested what he calls the rule of three. Simply, in a conversation, make sure that you're never making three declarative statements in a row. Instead, include plenty of questions or qualifiers, i.e., softer and more moderate declaratives, to give your speech a little more. Chapter 3. EQ is greater than IQ. When you're able to suspend your own assumptions and biases, when you can adopt an attitude of openness and curiosity, and when you can let go of judgment, all your negative conversational habits will start to drift away. And in their place, something else will appear, a growing awareness of the other person. As we become better communicators, we develop awareness of our own limitations, needs, desires, and idiosyncrasies. The interesting thing is, the better we can do this, the more aware we are of other people and everything they bring to the table. In other words, we develop emotional intelligence. The concept of emotional intelligence was first introduced in the 90s by Peter Salovey and John D. Mayer. Later, the term was popularized by Daniel Goleman, who used the alternative term EQ for the counterpart to IQ, the emotional quotient. There is no communication without emotions. That means that conversational intelligence is emotional intelligence. We cannot learn to have meaningful conversations unless we're willing to acknowledge, manage, and speak to the emotions that arise anytime two people get together, professionally or personally. Being a charming person is not about making convincing arguments for how charming you are, but cultivating the emotions of connection and warmth. Likewise, conflict resolution and problem-solving aren't just a matter of being right or saying the most appropriate things. They're about understanding people and speaking to their emotional experience just as much as their practical one. According to Psychology Today, emotional intelligence, EI, is the ability to identify and manage one's own emotions as well as the emotions of others. So it's an awareness that needs to go both ways. We all know about the power of listening, but we cannot be masterful listeners without first being skillful with our emotions and the emotions of others. We're all influenced by emotion. What varies is the degree to which we are aware of it and hence can control the process. EI is a cluster of three separate skills, which we'll see popping up again and again. One, emotional awareness of self and others. Two, the ability to harness and use emotions, hint, not suppress them. Three, the ability to manage emotions, i.e., we always choose our actions no matter what. 
Let's take a look at each one a little more closely. Cultivating Emotional Awareness If we are emotionally aware, we're able to identify what we are feeling in a conversation, as well as observe and comprehend what another person is feeling, even if it's widely different from our own experience. We've already begun to practice this in developing our body language reading skills. Did you notice how posture, eye contact, proximity, etc. all reveal how the person in front of you feels? In good conversation, we're not merely seeking to understand the other person on a cognitive level, but to feel what they feel and see what they see. Emotional intelligence is realizing that the most important data that anyone can communicate with you at any time is what they are feeling. The factual content becomes a dis- Chapter 4. As if it wasn't hard enough. So far we've seen what it takes to have a broadly pleasant conversation. Remove psychological barriers, pay attention to body language, use the rule of three. And by using just these tools, we can be sure of having great interactions with others. But what happens when things don't work out so well, and you need to navigate a difficult, emotionally upsetting conversation, or manage conflict? During the heat of the moment, a difficult conversation can make us forget every nice-sounding skill and technique we've ever learned, and start to respond with defensiveness, fear, judgment, or even aggression, all of which we've seen create fertile ground for miscommunication and hostility. Below, we'll look at two powerful frameworks to maintain connected communication even during tricky situations. Each of them succeeds, however, because they do one thing, increase positivity and decrease feelings of defensiveness and fear. During a conflict, we may feel that our only aim is to make our point, be vindicated, or place blame. But really, our aim should be completely different, to increase positive feelings for everyone involved. Only then do we have any hope of actually being heard, validated, or respected. Let's look at a tricky situation and how we can use these two frameworks to help us create more feelings of positivity. The COIN Framework it's tempting to imagine that other people think as we do, want what we want, and see the world in roughly the same way as we see it. But if you've ever been in any conflict, you'll know what a rude awakening it can be to realize that another person's mind can be a whole universe of its own. With assumptions, shorthands, shortcuts, and lazy language, we can mutually lull one another into feeling that we have actually connected and understood when we've done nothing of the sort. Even if someone is very close to us, and we know them well, they're going to be coming at any situation or problem from a completely unique background, with a different identity, set of expectations, and interpretations. We are always communicating across different identities, lived experiences, biases, and priorities. The COIN framework is a tool you can use to get a handle on all this. That includes everything you bring to the table, too. Interrupt bias and assumption and clear away misunderstandings and confusion.
created by executive coach Anna Carroll in 2003. This model was originally about giving feedback in the workplace, but it's now used in many other contexts, too. In Carroll's book, The Feedback Imperative, How to Give Feedback to Speed Up Your Team's Success, she explains a simple method for organizing difficult or emotional conversations. While the framework might seem a little awkward and uncomfortable at first, it's probably a lot less uncomfortable than getting into full-blown conflict, and it does get better with time. The framework goes like this. C. Context. What has actually happened? What is the context, i.e., when and where and how did this event come to be? More than that, how are your own... Chapter 5. Goal-Oriented Communication. How to Persuade Anyone. So far, we've focused on listening, validation, and ways to resolve conflict and misunderstanding. These are, without a doubt, the heavy lifters when it comes to learning to communicate better, cultivate a sense of charisma and charm, and deepen interpersonal connections of all kinds. But in certain contexts, for example, in business or in education, you don't just want to master receiving a message. You want to create your own message and make sure that it lands on its audience with the most influence and impact possible. In other words, there are times when you'll want to persuade someone. To put it very simply, persuasion is trying to change someone's mind. A big part of being a masterful communicator is learning to genuinely receive, read, and understand other people and get inside their perspectives. In this final chapter, we'll be looking at our perspectives and exactly how we can communicate them so that others adopt them for themselves. All communication has a purpose, and at some point, that purpose will be to actively influence our audience, whether that's a single person reading our email, a team of our peers, or a hall filled with thousands of people. The golden rule in persuasive communication is, surprise, surprise, to know your audience. Luckily, in learning the previous chapter's skills of listening, validating, reading body language, etc., we've already gone some way to doing this. Before we continue, it's worth saying that persuasive communication does not mean manipulation. It means the artful and deliberate use of language to convey our meaning in a way that best achieves our purpose. It's an art that traces back to Aristotle, and arguably back even further, to the very dawn of human communication. We might even guess that the primary reason for communication evolving in the first place as a tool by which to influence and affect one another. Almost 2,000 years ago, Aristotle expounded on what he saw as the four primary strategies to reach and influence an audience. In his treatise, Rhetoric, during the 4th century BCE, he elevated persuasion to an art form. In Aristotle's time, oration was an honored art and tradition, and all educated men were expected to know how to correctly tailor their approach when addressing a group. 
Four Modes of Persuasion 1. Ethos The first mode of persuasion is called an appeal to ethos, i.e., an address that rests on credibility to persuade. What do we mean by credibility? Anytime we trust and revere a professional or expert opinion, we do so because that opinion carries a certain credibility. We find it believable. We're persuaded by mastery and knowledge, which we assume belong to people who are in the know or who possess the right or the experience to speak on a certain topic. It's not just about qualifications or titles, however. A mother of nine's perspective on childbirth will tend to have more credibility than a random man's. However, that... Thanks for listening to Voice Overwork, an audiobook sampler. Where do you listen? If you like what you heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, newtonmg.com, to your friends and colleagues, and also that of our featured author today, bit.ly slash pkconsulting. This has been a Newton Media Group production. Join us in a few more days for the next episode of Voice Overwork.